as products of our own societies and our own education are these amalgams of what we think we, you know, air quote, should be and who we should show up as. And we take titles like, you know, businesswoman or mother or daughter or sister, and we envelop our value in what we execute instead of understanding that we each as human beings are have deep inherent value, no matter how we show up in the world. This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. I am so excited to bring to you today the Second Wind Tribe, Nikki Braffman. If you've not heard her name before, buckle up and get your notepads out because she is the real deal. If you do know who she is, you're welcome. <laughs> LOL. Anyway, I found Nikki on a podcast that inspired me and inspires me today. Amy Jo Martin's Why Not Now. Nikki also has her own podcast called The Bridge Work. So be on the lookout for that. And right after her podcast with Amy Jo Martin, I looked her up and I joined her newsletter. And after I received that first newsletter, it was so heartfelt and so inspiring me. I heard that voice in my head that made me start this whole second wind movement say, email her. So I did. And then within 45 minutes, and I'm not even kidding you, Nikki emailed me back, not her staff, Nikki herself and said, sure, let's chat. So Nikki is a manifestation expert and a human design reader, which basically means she helps us understand, well, ourselves and how harnessing this information is truly powerful in our evolution and especially for our second wind. So welcome to the podcast, Nikki. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for that sweet introduction and for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure for sure. So let's get started because I am just like a sponge wanting to take in all this information. And it seems to, as I go through all these interviews with all these different people, there is a common thread here. And your human design practice and manifestation practice all basically encompass that too. It's so cool to just see this unfold. So can you explain to us, Nikki, what do you do? Yeah, it's a lot, right? It's a lot of information. Right. So I take this modality called human design. And if you're not familiar with human design, it's a personality model, just like the Myers-Briggs test or the Enneagram or astrology. It helps you learn about yourself a little bit more deeply. But what's cool about human design is it's a quantum system. So it layers on ancient modalities and puts them all together, like the Chinese I Ching, like astrology, like the Hindu Brahman chakra system, like the Kabbalah. And then it brings in and layers on top of that 
at modern sciences like quantum mechanics, biochemistry, genetics, and astronomy. And so what you get is this very, very, very dense system, but that has a lot to say about everything that you are, whether that's the way that your energy works, how to use your energy in a very unique and specific way, what the role you're meant to play is in this world, how you are supposed to make decisions in energetic alignment, your strengths, your inherent weaknesses, all of these things come out of the system. And so what I've done in my practice of understanding this and really believing that I'm a channel for this information, I help people use this as a way of manifesting the life of their dreams. And when I say manifestation, I think what my husband thinks when I say like I'm manifesting is that like I'm sitting around with all my girlfriends around like a cauldron and we're like doing something (laughs) witchy. But what I really mean is that we're getting exactly what we want. And we do that through human design by knowing who we are and making sure that we're aligned. The alignment exists between who we are and what we want. Because oftentimes we, as products of our own societies and our own education, are these amalgams of what we think we, you know, air quote, should be and who we should show up as. And we take titles like, you know, businesswoman or mother or daughter or sister, and we envelop our value in what we execute instead of understanding that we each as human beings are have deep inherent value no matter how we show up in the world. And so my work is to really help people get to the heart of that, to the bottom of that, by removing the conditioning that we've kind of all experienced through our lives. The amazing thing that human design always reminds me is that, you know, we live in a world of 7.7 billion unique individuals. And we are all taught to sort of homogenize, to go into these specific boxes so that our governments and our communities can feed and clothe and educate 7.7 billion people, right? They can't do that in a unique way. But what we're starting to see is that it's safer and it's easier to be yourself with things like globalization and the internet economy and the creative economy. We're being shown that it's okay to show up this way. But so much of our conditioning of who we thought we needed to be because we were growing up in a certain way stops that. It kind of puts up a stop sign and says like, no, no, don't go there into the place of uniqueness. That's scary. We don't know anything about that. And our body and our subconscious mind's role is to keep us safe and keep Mm -hmm. us alive. But like, we're not in these tribes where we're like running away from wildebeests. (laughs) We're in modern society where we can expand that capacity for things like abundance and for love and for joy and not live in this finite space that is sort of the walls are fear and survival. And so our work in human design ends up being like a treasure map. We're given this chart. It's called your human design chart. And it looks really wacky. I know that you're going to put the, if people want to download it, you can put it in the link in the show notes for them. But when you get this chart, like you've seen your chart, it's like lines and colors and numbers and shapes and weird words. And you're like, what do I make of this? Is this really who I am? I have no idea what to do here. And so I see my work as acting as a translator and helping people not only understand these innate gifts and innate wisdom that they carry, but also then to embody it and to integrate it because knowledge is really nice, right? That's great to know more about yourself and be more self-aware. But if you can't take that into your day-to-day life and really start implementing it and know what's for you and what's not for you and which advice is is really can help you and which can't, Mm -hmm. you're sort of coming up blank, right? You're coming up empty. Wow. So it sounds like the information is there. You don't manipulate that, right? It's already there. So you yeah, take we- that information and you translate it to whoever's in front of you. And yeah. then what's the next step from that? Like people have to now take that information and 
now what do you do? So we call it the experiment, right? So we call this process, right? We call this living, really. We call the process of starting to integrate and starting to understand your experiment. And what we do is, you know, as we uncover different elements of your human design chart, we look at where this information that I'm giving and I'm translating is a little bit dissonant with your lived experience. And in that gap, in sort of that chasm is where we understand your conditioning, right? If you, let's say, right, there's human design will tell us everything from the ways we best digest and like information and food all the way to like, you know, if we're supposed to experiment with our life or if we're not supposed to experiment with like all of these intense details. And so if I were to tell you, hey, Wendy, you work really well. If you sort of sit down in the morning and you eat the same thing every day or similar thing every day at the same time, and you're like, whoa, that's not me at all. I don't like that at all. We might look back and see that in your childhood, that's not how you were raised. That's not what was reminiscent of your family life. And you, you know, you had a very maybe flowy way of doing things. And so that's the way that you adopted and you learned, right? Our subconscious mind, which is what controls our conscious mind right now, where there's some incredible neuroscience studies out right now that show us that the subconscious or the unconscious mind is making decisions five to seven full seconds before our conscious mind realizes what's going on. Which means what? Which means what to us? It means that we are robots of our subconscious mind and our subconscious mind gets crazier, gets crazier, is formed between the ages of zero and eight years old. And you have kids. I have kids. I really, you know what you, you might remember being a kid, but if you remember anything about the way kids at the, you know, between the ages of zero and eight think it's very, very binary. It's a very all or nothing way, right? Mm -hmm. My mother won't let me have chocolate. She doesn't love me, right? These like very catastrophic, dramatic ways. And this is the language of the subconscious. And so regardless of what kind of childhoods we all had from the ages of zero to eight, we could have had the most beautiful childhoods, but certain modeling that we saw, whether we modeled similarly to our same sex parent, or we model things that we saw teachers do or kids in our classrooms do, or we were bullied, even slightly, we take this on as truth. And that becomes the language of our subconscious, which is making decisions five to seven seconds before we even realize what's going on. So when it comes to manifestation, right, getting what we want, what we have to do is we have to actually rewire you the neural pathways. That, right? You have yeah. to interrupt that. We have to change that languaging that's oh totally based on fear and survival. And we have to literally create new neural pathways. And we do that through things like hypnosis, hypnotherapy, which I'm a major proponent of and participant in, therapies like EMDR, or even deep states of transcendental meditation. We're really looking to get you into theta brainwave state in order to have conversations with your subconscious and say like, no, no, it's okay. It's safe to be this way and show up this way. So what human design does in our chart is those pieces of dissonance where things in our chart don't feel exactly as they feel in our real life point to what we need to decondition. They point to these blocks that we have that tell us, no, 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 don't show up like that because our body doesn't know if it's like we're afraid because, you know, we've never done something before or because we're being chased by a, you know, pack of wolves. The body doesn't know any difference. And so when we're afraid of something, it's really difficult for people, for especially for coaches, someone 
my position to say like, just don't be afraid. You go for it, right? It doesn't matter. We might actually reverse manifest. We might try it, but we might reverse manifest failure because we're like, we don't deserve success. We can't really have that. And so instead of doing that, we really focus on what's this person really feeling? What's really the conversation going on in subconscious? So we first, we assess, right? Assess who are you? What does your human design look like? Are you living in what I like to call energetic integrity? Are you living in integrity with the way your energy is built to work? And then we align, like, what do you want? Right. And so, so many people will come and do material things. I want a Lamborghini. I want to be a millionaire, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do you really, or do you want to feel like safe and loved? <laughs> right. Because a lot of us just want to feel safe. And so, we align who you are with what you want. And then, any outstanding blocks or recurring blocks or information, right, that keeps coming up, because that's all fear is, right? That's all the subconscious is. It's information. It doesn't good or bad. It's just info. And then we clear those blocks and we make way. And the interesting thing is, and you know, it makes my business model a good one. It's a practice. It's mm. over and over again that we have to do this. We don't just do this once. We continue to do this. And then sometimes when we want specific material things, we go through this really quickly. And sometimes when they're larger, more ethereal, perhaps what feels more elusive to us takes time, it takes months, years of our lives. And so a lot of my work is about developing community where this work can happen and feels good and feels safe and just feels fun. We have this idea that healing has to be hard, that it has to be through the muck, that we have to trudge through it. And that has to be difficult. But I think that's, I don't like that. And mm -hmm. I want healing and I want self-development to be a fun experience where we get to know who we are deep down inside. Ugh. Oh, I love it. It's so interesting too, because are you saying that the chart actually shows you where the person's energy is not being spent wisely as well as where they're so supposed it, to go? Sort of. Yeah. So sort of. what the chart will tell me is in the, there's sort of nine centers. And if you're familiar with the Hindu Brahmin chakra system, which is really where we hear any talk about chakra system, that actually has seven centers, right. but there have been two added on in human design to sort of account for things like the agricultural revolution, the technical revolution, the industrial revolution, all these things and ways that we've morphed as human beings. It wants to account for that as well. And so we have nine centers in our body and those nine centers um, have all of this circuitry in between them, right? So they'll have some things that are lit up and some that aren't. And basically the way that we figure out what's lit up in your chart is by taking a snapshot of the energetics of the universe when you're born, similar to astrology. And then also we layer on top of that, the same thing from three months before you're born, when you're basically transitioning from the second trimester to the third trimester in utero and your brain is being developed. So we sort of have the brain picture and then we have the body picture on the day and time that you're born. And when we layer those two on top of each other, we see this almost like circuit board and certain things are firing and certain things are not. And when there's two things firing from either side of a center, it creates a channel. And that channel will tell us where that energy lies, right? Some people have all nine centers, what we call defined with total, complete, reliant energy in all of those places. And some people have nothing completely defined, but they just have sort of whispers of these, we call them gates, certain energies that kind of flow through the body, but don't connect to anything else. And so based on which centers you have defined, where you have consistent and reliable energy in your chart tells us what energy type you have. And so in human design, we have five energy types and they basically tell us here's the way that you use your energy. Some of us are built for a go, 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 do, do, do style energy. Some of us are not, 
right? Some of us are meant to work. I'm what's called a manifester in this. And I'm, I'm meant to work in this intense burst and then long periods of rest. And then there's other people who are really meant to just mirror their environment and change environments until they feel good and comfortable. So what's amazing is it makes you realize and it reminds you that it's not that we're all given sort of an energetic cup of fuel at the beginning of the day. And some of us use it really wisely and some of us are super lazy. It's that we each have our own energetic rhythms and the world largely ignores that <laughs> it sort of wants us to go into this very intense, go, 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 do, 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 your value is in your output type of mentality. And once we can sort of reframe that, it gives so many people the sense of permission to say, oh, okay, this is why I feel tired. This is why I feel burnout. This is why things just don't feel in flow with me. And they haven't felt that way in a long time, which is usually what people say to me when we first look into their charts. Well, Nikki, would you say that when we are stressed, when our bodies get stressed, would that be because we're we're energetically not in alignment with what we should be doing? Would you say that would be the manifester of stress, so to speak? Is that why we stress? Absolutely. It's when we're out of, you know, and certain people will feel that differently. So I'm going to quickly run down the five energy types because that's what we talk about most often. And corresponding to each of those energy types is a different, what we call not self theme. When I'm not in my own energy, this is what I will feel. And so it's different for everybody and it manifests itself as differently for each person. And so when you can hone in to what your feeling of lack of energetic integrity or not self theme is, you can basically use it as a stop sign that says like, whoa, this isn't me. I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to figure out where this came from. I'm going to get curious about why I'm here and I'm not in alignment and figure out where I went wrong, maybe backpedal and see how I can kind of take a new path. And so generators and manifesting generators make up about 70% of people in the world. These are our go, 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 do, do, doers. Manifesting generators just like having their hands in a lot of different buckets. They just like doing a lot of things. A lot of times we'll call them ADHD, right? They can't finish stuff. They just kind of keep going around and starting new things. And generators and manifesting generators need to use their energy to respond to things that really light them up, that they really love to do. So you're asking, you know, is this the source of stress? when someone is not in an energetic integrity. And the truth is, yes, when a generator or manifesting generator, 70% of the population does something they don't want to do, they sort of are pulling from this bank of energetic debt and they're not in integrity and they're not doing what they want, which is why we see so many people living a life of this like weird net zero place. I'm going to do a bunch of stuff I hate and then I'm going to go on vacation and do like a week of stuff I love and then I'll be somewhere in the middle and then I'll be happy for so a I little bit. tolerate the stuff I hate in order to get Stuff yeah. And inevitably in any group that I'm speaking to, a generator, a manifesting generator will say things like, it doesn't light me up to do my dishes. What do I do now? And I say, well, maybe find a partner who loves doing the dishes or <laughs> understand that there will be things that you don't want to do. But if you can reframe them in terms of being part of or in service to a higher responsibility, that really helps you. So like, for me, I don't love changing my son's diaper, but the responsibility of being a parent and being a good parent and keeping my son safe and healthy totally lights me up. And therefore, I can sort of put that in the column of semi lights me up, but not pulling from an, a level of energetic debt, right? If I was sitting around just changing diapers all day long, yeah, I would probably be in pretty bad energetic debt. I wouldn't be so thrilled. That's 70% of the population. And their not self theme is frustrating. Frustration. That grinding gears can't 
get things done or trying to respond to things but can't particularly do it tells generators and manifesting generators that they are out of alignment. They're out of integrity. It and sounds like we'll, they would also be the people who say there's just not enough time in the day. Totally. Right. Yeah. And especially there's not enough time in the day when you're only doing stuff you hate. And you're like, mm. wait, I want to do those things I love, but there's no time. There's no right? time left. And a really good physiological marker for anyone out there who's listening, who's a generator, a manifesting generator, is that they should kind of hit the pillow and pass out. And they should wake up with renewed energy. And when that's happening, that's a great sign that you're doing what you love. If it's not happening, it's a great sign that you need to sort of reevaluate what it is that you're doing on a day-to-day basis and how you are letting yourself decide, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? And I think that, so their life theme, right? The opposite of their not self theme, what they feel when they are in energetic alignment is satisfaction, right? There's nothing more satisfying than like checking off the boxes and doing all of the things that you love and having one of those days where you're like, I'm flowing through life and all of the lights are green. And my friend who I was thinking of just called me and that's what it's really about, right? That's why we heard. That's why we're digging deeper. That's why we want to understand who we are because we want to get to that place. And maybe we won't always live in a world where all the lights are green, but the things that we can control are always looking up for us. So with that said, I want to talk a little bit about the final three energy types. Projectors are 20% of people in the world. And these are our wisdom keepers. They're our guides. They truly are sort of energetic empaths. They really take on a lot of the energy that is kind of bopping around in any environment. And so a projector might come to you and feel what's happening inside of you energetically more than you yourself feel. So they might be able to tell that something's wrong before you can even put words to the fact that something's going on with you. And so they make amazing therapists and leaders and bosses because they can truly energetically curate situations when they're sort of in tune with themselves and understand, oh, this person needs a little bit more work and this person needs a little bit more rest and able to kind of work the system that way. But the interesting thing is they need to wait to be invited in. So they need to kind of wait to be able to be asked, right? If let's say you're a projector, Wendy, and you're seeing me and you're like, you don't look so great. And I'm like having a good day so far. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't look so great. Yeah. But if I come to you and I say, Wendy, I'm not having the greatest day. And you're like, oh, well, tell me more, right? Tell me more. And you're able to kind of give your wisdom and understand and sort of catalyze my energy in a a much more positive way. And so they're not self-themed when they're not energetic integrity, they feel bitterness because what feels more bitter than knowing the right thing for someone, but them not seeing it, right? Or them not taking your advice. And so their life theme when they are in energetic integrity is success, right? Those being able to sort of succeed successfully nurture those around them and make sure that kind of people are all where they energetically need to be. This particular exchanging of energy and understanding energy takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot out of these projectors. And so these are not people who do well in intense go, 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 do, do, do work environments. They're people who get depleted really easily in that. There's sort of a joke in the human design community that they should really only work four hours a day. But, you know, plenty of projectors I know love what they do and work longer hours. They just really need a lot of time alone to sort of maybe get out of other people's energies and return back to their own energies. Then we have manifestors who are 9% of the population. This is my energetic type. And manifestors are here to initiate. They're here to kind of inform and start things off and then not really, not that they're not finishing them, but allow them to be taken on by generators and manifesting generators or by projectors. And so they're really meant to be like, hey, I want to build a building over there. And a man, you know, 
know, a generator might be like, I love laying brick. And another generator would be like, I love making plans. And that's how sort of things are supposed to happen, but they're not supposed to do it themselves. And so many manifestors will burn out because they want to initiate and either no one's responding to them. And so they go and try to do everything on their own or they're Mm -hmm. constantly meeting resistance and they need to figure out what to do. And so a lot of manifestors will learn to watch what they say and to not be outspoken because they've gotten frustrated or they've gotten angry that all of the things that they say aren't picked up and, you know, carried out in the way that they envision. And so their not self-theme when they're out of energetic integrity is anger. But, you know, just as a reminder that a lot of this can manifest differently in people is that, so my not self-theme is anger. But for me, it turns into tears, right? Immediate waterworks. And I, you know, I'll have arguments with my husband and be like, why are you crying? I'm like, I'm not sad. I'm pissed, right? I'm angry. And so for me, learning that was amazing to know, like, I'm not hypersensitive, I'm not oversensitive. I'm just, this is particularly the way that my body deals with anger is just to cry. And so it's interesting to start noticing like, okay, how, what happens when I feel whatever comes up in my not self-theme and what do I feel in my heart when I'm in my life theme? And for manifestors, the life theme is peace, right? It's not success. It's not satisfaction. It's, am I at peace? Can I initiate without barriers, without someone constantly blocking my way and allow those initiations to be carried out into much bigger things? And so the last energy type that we have is super, super rare. It's under 1% of the population and they're called reflectors. They have no consistent and reliable energy in their chart. So when you look at their human design chart, it's completely white. All of the centers are open. And so they literally reflect the energy of their environment. And so if they're doing really well, you can tell that the energy in that environment is great. If they're not doing so hot, you can tell there's something toxic in that environment and that maybe they need to move or experience different things. And so their not self-theme is disappointment. So when they're feeling disappointed, a reflector really needs to change their either physical environment or their mental state or be around different people who don't make them disappointed. And then their life theme is surprise. So when they're feeling surprised, like, oh my goodness, this, you know, I can't believe how fun that was, or, oh my goodness, I didn't know I was capable of such success. That's how they know they are in the right space and that they are in energetic integrity. Well, Nikki, oh, wow. So what if, you know, if I'm a second wind podcast listener, or maybe I'm myself the host of it, <laughs> I'm listening to all this. Is it possible? Like everyone you said, I could see, except the last one I didn't see, but in me, but you're not. Can you have all no, of them? You can't. You are one and you can't change it and you can't be ah. multiple. But there are certain elements in our charts that might behave in other ways. Or you can look at, you know, I've had people come to me and say like, I don't feel this way at all. And then we kind of look under the hood and we figure out why that is. Someone who is a manifester who doesn't feel at all like a manifester may have been taught from a very young age that initiating wasn't safe for them. Right. right? And they may decide subconsciously that they will never do it. And so it really isn't about like, oh, I get to be this archetype. And that's what I find fascinating about human design and astrology both is that these are based on your birth date and birth time versus something like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs test are psychologically engineered tests. So you could theoretically, based on who you want to be, get different answers on different days. 
Okay. Which has its place. It has its, its place in society, right? If you want to kind of figure out the way certain people should work together by who they are showing up as. But for really understanding ourselves, understanding the sort of, it's almost like a skeletal system, right? This is what it is. Your chart is what it is. And I've had a few experiences where people are like, I really, really don't feel this way. And they go back and they look more at their birth time and their birth time was off. And because of that, whatever delta between the birth times that they gave originally and what they found it to be, there were changes, right? Some birth times have a lot of sensitivity and others don't. So there's ways for us to kind of reconcile that. But more often than not, it's that our conditioning is so, so strong that we just do not feel like ourselves. Got we don't it. even know who we are. Right. So you refer to this chart. Is this something that you meditate and get? Is this something, is it a program in a computer? What is this chart. Yeah, it's a computer program. So you can access it by going to my website, nikkibraffman.com forward slash chart, and you can download your chart. I've had people, I've had clients get like artistic renderings of their chart, which is really beautiful. I myself create sort of, I'm really into crystals and I create crystal grids that look a little bit like my chart when I'm trying to call something in or remind myself where my energy, you know, inherently lies. But yeah, that's, you download your chart right from this computer algorithm that that's taking in all of this information into account. And that's it, right? Some people print it out. Some people forget about it because it's overwhelming. And then they download it two years later and they're like, oh my God, I have to look at this again. Everybody's experience with their chart is completely different. But what I always like to tell people and the, the encouragement I like to give them is don't get overwhelmed. You're not supposed to know what's going on here, right? You're not supposed to innately seen. know. Right. Yeah. And the chart is the same whether I do it today yep. or a year from now. Correct. The, there's an advanced human design, which we won't talk a ton about, but there are ways to look at the way that your chart is interacting with sort of astrology, right? The transits that are going on right now, the way that this solar system is shaped right this minute and how they interact with one another. But you know, it won't ever change. And that would be the ver- like a little bit of variable with what you just said, with the astrology part. Yeah, that would, you know, what's cool about human design charts is when we're thinking about the way that, you know, the consistent energy that we have, when we bring other people into it, it's almost like we layer our charts on top of each other. And so I've looked at romantic couples. I've looked at business partnerships. I've looked at CEOs and their executive teams charts and really able to understand like which piece of the puzzle does this person bring into your life? And, you know, do they make you whole or as a couple or as a partnership or as a team, do you need outside influence in a certain area, right? That will help you feel more consistent and complete. It's not about finding that perfect yin and yang, right? Sometimes it's just about understanding. There are plenty of couples that there who are like almost like beautiful carbon copies of each other. And mm. it's almost like those souls have found each other to sort of watch their own experience play out in another person. There's some people who are beautiful yin and yangs. They just fill each other's gaps. But I'll always get the question from people is saying like, is there any perfect matchup between energy types, right? And right. energy type, I will remind you, is just one element. There are eight different elements with right. different, like, you know, it goes deeper and deeper. And I'll say absolutely not. Like any energy type can be with any other energy type as long as we really understand how to accept people and give them permission to be themselves. I would say if you don't like resistance, you might want to be with someone who's very similar to you. But if you're okay with resistance and you're okay with understanding that this person is very different from you, by all means, right? It's just about making conscious decisions based on information that you have in your hands. Got it. 
Ah, this is so cool. And actually we are going to do my, whatever we're doing with me at some point. Yeah. We're going to do your reading. We're going to do your chart. So excited. And then I'll bring that to the podcast as well, just to show everybody that I came out on the other end of it. (laughs) So it's so cool. All this that you do and you are very well versed in this. And I know how in-depth you've taken your studies. Let's talk about Nikki and how you got to where you are in this process. Your story is exceptionally interesting, I think. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Everybody loves hearing that they're interesting and right. And that's the joy of my job. I get to be like, this is where you're a genius. But I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia with one immigrant father. My father is from Israel. Um, My mother's American. And I grew up the oldest of four children, the only girl, very much an intensity of trying to prove myself. Not maybe because my parents forced me to, just I had this sort of underlying intensity. I had to go faster. I had to do more. I had to help. I had to perform for love and not because my parents of any fault of their own. It just was whatever was subconsciously ingrained in me. And we spent most of our summers going to Israel. And so I lived in this sort of, you know, two months of the year or a month of the year, a lot of times in another country. And so I just had multiple identities, right? I had multiple languages, multiple friend circles, and I never actually felt like I was in the right place. And so it created this intensity to rush, rush through things, do things faster, go further, prove, prove, prove yourself. And I did my undergraduate at the University of Pittsburgh and I decided, I don't even know why, I don't remember making the actual conscious decision, but I decided it was going to graduate in three years. My undergraduate degree as a double major and a double minor. And I just did it. And I don't know why. And nobody was rushing me and nobody, people probably said the opposite. They said, slow down. What are you rushing for? And I was like, no, no, I'm just going to do it. And it wasn't that I didn't love school. I loved my friends. I love the environment. I love the school I went to. And I just was like, had this crazy, unsatiable hunger to move fast. And so I graduated in under three years. I took a job right out of school. This was the peak of the financial crash in 2008, 2009. And then I decided after working for a year to move to Israel to kind of go back to my roots and to the economy wasn't nearly as bad there and to just understand that part of myself a little bit deeper. And so I spent a year doing civil service there instead of the army. And which is mandatory for anybody, for all citizens. And then I decided to go do my MBA. And of course, I don't know what it was with me and academics and moving fast, but I did my MBA in a year. And so by the time I was 24 years old, I had an MBA, an undergraduate degree, and I was, you know, going and working as an executive in startup companies in Israel and just had continued this insatiable drive to go faster and faster and faster. And it wasn't that I was just like, I think I was addicted, right? To the stress and to the cortisol the adrenaline, and to yeah. the total adrenaline junkie. But I also, you know, a lot of times I would burn out and I would be so ashamed of that burnout and show ashamed of having to stop and take care of myself to the point that I would actually, I began to plan my burnouts. Like I would never take my vacation in one fell swoop in one week. I would take like every month I would take a four day weekend and I wouldn't spend it like going to cool places. I would spend it basically in bed. Oh my <laughs> Being God. exhausted. And I, you know, at this point in my life, I had been diagnosed with a few autoimmune diseases. Oh, you said the stress was making you very ill because mind yeah. and body all are one. Completely. And I was, I, you know, I was loving life, but I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, all I have to do to keep up this pace and to prove my value and to continue asserting my value is to just go to bed for four days straight once a month which is completely not normal and not okay. And 
you know, I rushed through everything and I climbed this corporate ladder and I was flying over all over the world for work. And by all accounts, you know, was very, very successful. You know, years passed, I became sort of VP at these companies. I was still working in the startup world because I loved early stage companies because I could do more, right? I could be more effective. I could have more impact. I could, you know, prove myself much more deeply than I could anywhere in sort of more of a large Fortune 500 corporate like established mindset. established corporation yeah. already had its values, its thing of what yeah. success was. You were kind of creating what the success would look like. Totally. And I love doing yeah. that. And yeah. I realize now, I didn't realize I was doing it then, but sometimes I would basically blow stuff up, make things more chaotic so that I could solve the problems and I could look like the hero. And I think a lot of times we do that, which was the beginning thesis of when I started my coaching and consulting company about three years ago, which was we create chaos because we are out of integrity with our mission and our values. And what led me to that was complete and utter burnout. I was working for a startup with a really incredibly toxic boss who I now realize, you know, I was suffering from verbal abuse and just a horrible environment for me. And at the time I was trying to get pregnant and I couldn't get, I remember going into that job and saying to my husband, we'll wait about three months so that we can, you know, I'll make sure that I'm here for a year and then we'll start trying. And 18 months later, I was still not pregnant. I was more miserable than ever. My marriage was falling apart. And I just didn't even know how energetically I could have attracted such a terrible experience. What had I done? Like right? everything need- around you sounded pretty icky. It was horrible. It was like, the, it was a really rock bottom moment. And where was your and, health at this point? Oh, and worse, worse, worse. Like I would, you know, things were, I was adding, right? These autoimmune diseases to my list, right? Oh, I have this. Oh, I have this. Oh, I can't oh get pregnant. Gosh. Oh, and you know, it just wasn't, there were so many signs in my body that things weren't working and I just refused to see them as the truth. And I've always had this, this side of me that's much more spiritual. I've been a yoga and meditation teacher for over 10 years and I've always sort have kept a very, very firm boundary between those personas of like yoga and meditation teacher and sort of VP boss bitch, right? I just didn't like them combining. I didn't even like people knowing I was a yoga teacher, which like became very cool. It wasn't as when I got my certification, but like became very cool. And I just had these multiple personas. I was ill. Everything around me was crumbling. And I had to start looking inward instead of outward and saying, instead of like, why me? Why is this person doing this to me? And just kind of say, what is happening for me? Nikki, what is this? Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. Was there okay. was there a, a moment? Because you probably just could have kept doing what you were doing and just see what happens. But was there a moment that made you kind of go inside and say enough is enough? Or how did oh, yeah. that happen? Yeah, I um I left the toxic job and I became the CMO of a small food startup that was competing with like a Blue Apron or a HelloFresh. Um, and it was local in Philadelphia. And um I remember my second day on the job, an investor walked into my office and was like, I need the numbers on this, 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 and this. And I was like, welcome to my office. I don't even have a chair, but let's look. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to tell you. And we, you know, and I thought this was really, I had imagined I had blown up this idea of this part of my career as being like, I'm the CMO. And I had so much ego attached to my title and my salary and the benefits and everything. I was like, oh, this is where it's going to really happen for me. I finally escaped everything. And we spent a few hours looking at these numbers and we realized there were some shady stuff going on and that the CEO had missed 
appropriated funds to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we sort of kept looking and kept going. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I here again? And so I became the interim CEO of this company. We sort of tried to figure things out. You're doing forensics now. Oh yeah, we were doing forensics. We were like all over the place. And we were constantly, I was working till 10, 11, 12 at night. And um, you know, still trying to conceive and figuring, figuring out that, you know, how to bring a child into this very non-sustainable life that I had created for myself. And I kind of just was like, let's just look at a feasibility study. Like, let's understand if this idea, right. That we're up against major PE back companies is feasible. Whether the company that you're working for is even feasible. Yeah. And, and basically, you know, now in having this conversation with you, I think I was also saying, am I in this version of myself Mm -hmm. feasible? Mm -hmm. And I think the, and the answer was no. And, you know, so I told them, I was like, look, I'm not your financial advisor, but if you're looking at like two, 3% returns, best case scenario, everything going right. Don't think it's right. We wound down the company. Um, and they, I guess were my first consulting client. Um, and I started building out my practice and I, you know, went back to myself as, um, who I was, right. I was still went to practice a lot more yoga. I was trying to understand for the first time, I wasn't saying everybody else has wronged me. I was saying something in me is off. I've, I've kind of blew up that company. Yeah. I was like, you blew up your own job by exposing it. Yeah. You could have probably ridden the wave. And so now you're, now you're jobless. Yeah. And, and you are now saying, Hmm, yeah, maybe I'm just going to go back to yoga for a little bit here. Yeah. And honestly, my, you know, my husband is also an entrepreneur. So I was the sort of, you know, not the sole breadwinner, but in terms of things like health insurance, which, you know, is really important in our country. Yeah. And I was, you know, putting on all that. So I had a lot of pressure at home to, um, find a new job. And I was just like, I can't find a new job right now. And so I I switched to kind of marketing and social media consulting, which was very easy for me, low hanging fruit. I found a bunch of clients. um, Just from your own experiences, you just were able to go find people who knew Yeah, from my network and from like, I met, I remember I met one of my first clients at the gym, you know, she was chat, she's an author and she's incredible. And she was like, I, my publisher needs me to have social media. And I was like, let's talk about that. And, you know, it was just very, um, I would really just put out, I have a skill set. Let me help you out. Um, but really from a hunger of not wanting to go back into an environment that was really out of control as I was sort of understanding who I was. And at the time I really was starting to be able to pick up more interesting mentors in the health and wellness space. And I started meeting more entrepreneurs who were doing it their way. And I was really being modeled what's possible And of course, within a few weeks of me blowing up that company and quitting my job and gaining a few clients, I got pregnant (laughs) and I was like, well, I've got about eight months to make something of this and to figure this out um, and to figure out if I can sustainably be an entrepreneur. And we did. And I did. Um, When I was towards the end of my pregnancy, one of my clients, um, I think it was building a website for her or something she came to me and she said, have you heard of human design? And I was like, I have, I remember like downloading my chart when it was like featured on goop or something, but I haven't really dug into it. And she was like, I want to be the human design reader or ex, you know, expert for parents to help parent their children according to their design. And being many months pregnant, I was like, I got to know about this. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I would have loved that. Right. And so I, 
I don't know what happened, but like this fire turned on inside me that I had to learn everything. And the main textbook for human design is an extremely dry 400 page textbook. Um, and so I just I ate it all up and I ate up podcasts and blogs and started talking to other teachers and consuming, um, more human design work. And I was just like blown away. Uh, and then I kept it to myself for quite some time. I kept consulting. I had my baby kept, you know, doing my own thing. And then with clients who I really felt were sort of more on the woo woo spectrum, because at this point I have now three personas that I'm trying to manage in myself. Oh, well, you still got not, the personas. I, I still have the personas. So yeah. I haven't, I haven't reconciled everything. I've added mom to this and I don't know how to reconcile any of them. And I start backdooring, right, this information into some of my client work. And I discover that the work that we do with human design is like exponentially um, the pace is improving, right? Things that we would take four or five hours to get to the heart of in my coaching practice of really helping people to get the heart of what they were good at and work that way. We're taking 45 minutes, right? And so it was amazing to watch how this was working. And then I had, you know, by then I had established, really established myself as a coach and as an entrepreneur. And I had this incredible network. And one of my friends, her name is Ksenia. She and I also met through Amy Jo Martin. (laughs) And she is like my go-to mentor for all things spiritual combined with business. She made it look so easy. And so I gave her, I did a reading for her and she was like, okay, would you mind if we like went into your offerings? And I was like, no, no, let's do that. You're amazing. And we went through my offerings and she was like, I was like, oh, that's so funny. They mirror my business coaching offerings. And she just looked at me and she was like, no, no, these are your offerings. This is it. That's all you do. Like, this is your niche. This is how you do this. You can let go of all of this business coaching and business consulting. This is what you do. And I was like, that's awesome except I was terrified. I was so scared. And I had this like almost coming out party for myself where I said like, here's what I do and here's who I am. And it was terrifying. And, you know, a friend of mine said, what do you think they're going to do? Do you think someone's going to come knocking on your door and ask for your MBA back or ask for any of your accomplishments back? Yeah. Like what are you scared of? I don't know. I was probably scared of like what my parents would think or what my professors would think. And I was like, they're not living my life. I'm living my life. Well, fear creates change and getting us out of the the box, right? Totally. And so I, you know, stepped into this role as a spiritual business coach and started using human design exclusively with my clients, started phasing out all of my old clients and sometimes changed their relationship, right? Used human design. Sometimes they just weren't a good fit. And I went from someone who was petrified of people knowing she was a yoga teacher to someone who could walk into a boardroom at a company like Under Armour and ask people what their birth date, birth time, and birth location was and implement a business product via a spiritual modality. And that's what the system has done for me. That's what understanding who I am truly deep down inside has done for me and shedding my own conditioning has done. Blow, blow it up. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. And I just had this thought. I'm thinking if our kids ever get back to school, I mean, I would think this would be something so valuable for high school students who are just kind of, well, I think I have to go to college. I don't really know what I want to do. And, you know, 
we've all as kids just done a million different things and we don't really yeah. know where we want to head. What do you think about something like that? Can we, can we make this thing absolutely as, as institutional as the stupid SATs? I think so. I mean, honestly, I think you can make, I've had so many applications and for me as a manifester who likes to initiate, I am someone who would love to carry out these intense things, but I end up basically just gifting and serving these ideas up and then helping people advise them right on these human design ways. So I've had conversations with people in the financial industry about how to trade according to, you know, how to trade stocks, how to trade cryptocurrency, according to your human design. Mm -hmm. I've had people, you know, I've wanted to build a, um, a dating app based on this information. I've wanted mm, to build an HR yeah. system based on this information. I wanted to build a system for kids, for high schoolers. I could literally apply it to anything. And I love doing that. It just so happens that my particular energy stops at a certain point. So if you're hearing this, yeah. you like <laughs> w- think you're a generator or a manifesting generator or a projector, and you want Let's to respond it. to this yes. by, um, you know, creating companies, creating visions of the way that we see the world and wanting people to, to be in their unique geniuses. I, I'm here for it. Oh my gosh. I just thought of a lady that I want to interview who does a school thing. Anyway, yeah. um, we'll, we'll figure out what we can do about that. Do you have an example, Nikki, of a client or something that just was so indicative of your purpose? And, and what it, how amazing and truly um, centered and grounded it really is within our universe. So I'm really lucky and I get to do this, that with everybody that I talk to. Um, And some people have move mountain situations where they're like, oh my God, I haven't been in my energy ever and I can't wait to do it. And some people have some tweaks to make that, and those tweaks end up, you know, making a really big difference and, and creating miracles for them. But it's, I've had so many incredible examples, but I'll I'll give you one that was really top of mind um, that came out of my school of manifestation. So I have a school called the School of Manifestation, which has a masterclass library kind of teaching everybody everything about each element of their human design chart. Um, We do a weekly call um, and we have a community group in WhatsApp to just share and cheer each other on. Um, And we also do daily ritual practices uh, that I put on Instagram. And so this whole school, we have amazing um, wins, right, every week. But a woman who is really working on manifesting partnership right now wrote to me and she said, you know, we, we talked and we talked about how she was looking in her human design chart to understand a little bit more about how to be a little bit more brave, right, and how to bring bravery into her life. And we looked at certain places where she had more consistent energy than other places and places where she was maybe in her not self and not acting in energetic integrity. And she was like, oh my God, I have had my bravery dial turned all the way down. And Mm -hmm. there are some really cool meditations inside of School of Manifestation. So I said, go do this meditation. And meditation allows you to 
basically almost in a hypnotic way, go to a control center, go to a control room in your mind and turn up the dial of bravery, turn up the, you know, turn down the dial of fear, switch, you know, courage up and, and consciously have a decision of these are the emotions that I want to feel. And I want, you know, I understand why they are and I want to amplify them. And so after the call, she got off and she was like, there's a guy who's just been, you know, we've been texting back and forth. And I was so worried that he was going to say no, that, you know, he didn't want to see me or didn't want to go out that I just kept it at this weird, you know, weird text conversation. She's like, I turned up my dial of bravery and I went for it. And I realized that like, if I don't go for it, if I just let it live in this kind of weird limbo place, what, how is that serving me? How is that manifesting anything for me? And And she's like, the outcome doesn't matter, right? I don't know what the outcome, but the outcome doesn't matter. It's just that I took aligned action towards what I wanted. We're not going to get every single thing we want easily, but when it's aligned with what we want, we don't take things like rejection as a bad thing. We just take it as information Mm -hmm. of, hmm, that's not for me, or hmm, that's not for me. We really just take it as, okay, I'm going to consistently walk towards things that are good for me and towards things that are aligned. Ugh. I mean, wow. <laughs> so, so how can people find you? I spent a lot of time, too much time probably on Instagram, um, uh, at Nikki Braffman. And, um, I share a lot there about raising a son and we are currently living currently living nomadically. So what it's like to live nomadically, um, about human design, whether that's sort of tidbits on certain parts of charts or larger, um, more blanket messages, um, or on my website, nikkibraffman.com, where you can look at all of my offerings and just inviting you to join in the conversation and start that spark that makes you want to learn more about yourself. Because my biggest I don't know, annoyance with the current self-help industry is that it's super prescriptive, right? Do mm-hmm. all of these things and your life will be perfect. Yeah, your life will be good. With this shake yep. and you're, you're going to have everything you want. Exactly. And the truth is, is that what I like to look at is, oh, this is an interesting way to see that this worked for you, the author. But It won't work for me exactly this way. I can take parts of it and I can take pieces of it and I can experiment with it and Mm -hmm. see if those things are interesting to me, but there's no, nobody can write a prescription for you to live your best life. Only you can. And the more you're tapped into learning what that means and how you do that, the better off and the faster you're going to get there. And so what happens in the self-help world is that, um, is that, did you lose me? No, you're there. Keep going. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) So what happens in the self-help world is that we go into this place of, um, failure when things don't work for us. And we say like, Oh, I, I drank the shake or I did the thing. I did the workout and I didn't lose 10 pounds or I couldn't do it because I'm me and not this other person. And, um, it becomes like this self-hell, not Mm -hmm. self-help. You know, and we feel like failures because the process has worked. Yeah. That's so good. Self-hell instead of self-help. That's huge. How many people do that every single day, especially women? Yeah. 
And we do it all the time. And we, all the time. we build our life around this idea that we're supposed to be doing everybody else's protocols and we can't. And we hate ourselves when we fail that instead of loving ourselves for being transcending it because we're unique. And finding our own thing. Yeah. And there's no reason why we can't. And that's the whole point of second wind. Right. To live your purpose, live your truth, live your dharma, live all this good stuff. And you can live yourself. Yeah. yeah. Serve others. Nikki, and it's N-I-K-K-I for people looking for you, which I'm sure millions will be. <laughs> this is this is amazing. This is really good stuff. I am so looking forward to my time with you to Wait. human chart me. Um because I think I have all those things, but you said I'm only one. So we'll have to figure it all out. We'll get to the bottom of it. We'll get so to the bottom of this. So. Yes. And I I, I am um, a little bit starstruck with you and I am a fan and I cannot say enough good things. And I am so grateful for you writing me back and, and validating second wind and what I feel is my second wind and my purpose is to bring people like you to the world, especially of us women who've been there, done that, and are waiting for the next thing that gives us purpose. And I cannot thank you enough. Oh, you are such a bright light. And I'm so excited to know you. And I'm so excited to have had this opportunity to share myself and my story in this incredible modality with your audience and your people. Oh, thank you so much. And... Until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.